among us this morning, and uh, it's only going to continue. Did you get me a drink? Oh, you did? Great. Ask and you shall receive. Um, yeah, I, um, I just want to continue our conversation on the altar, uh, but before I do that, I just sense there's one thing that's going to happen today, and that's not to try and build it up into some crescendo that we can hype it into being or anything that, but just a sense of there's going to be an exchange this morning for many of you. And it's a good exchange. It's an exchange for his grace, an exchange for his mercy, exchange for hope, and exchange for, for life for some of you this morning. So are you expecting that this morning in the room? And let's just allow our faith to rise to that, that space. So welcome. And uh, if you are new, we have a friend over from uh, Culver City in LA. She was here with us last week, Anna. And uh, actually, Anna came 10 years ago to serve this town before any of us were here, and they were out on the streets giving away stuff and doing stuff. And, and actually, they really were a, a blessing to us as a church. They put a table, pool table upstairs for the kids. Oh, I was downstairs at that stage, and they gave us a cooker for our kitchen. How many people like guests they got? And, uh, and you want to see our kitchen at home. She's been with us for a week. We have a brand new kitchen, brand new cooker. No, just joking. So it's good to have her with us, and she heads back to sunny L.A., Today or tomorrow. Okay, so we are a family. Sorry, I've not introduced myself. My name's Jason. And uh, if you are here for the first time, thanks for coming. Uh, we hope that you feel welcome. We hope you have been welcomed. And um, you've come in a great, great season of life. Because we're on a series called uh, The Altar. And again, we're, we're talking not about building sticks and stones, but actually building spaces and places in our heart where God has... Uh, space where he has the occupancy, where he has exclusivity, where he has uh, just the, the right to be there and where he gets first place in our lives. And so I'm going to continue with that this morning. Again, we, um, it, it sounds a little bit of a shift for where we've been uh, over the last four, or actually not four weeks, but after the last couple of months, we've been on a series called uh, Stronger, where that was more this way where we're talking about community, but this one, what we want to do is point you this way to him and to him only. So that brings you strength and encouragement to your life and actually will help you do this way better. Believe you, me, it works better that way. So it's about full access to God. And it's not about how long you've known God or anything that when we talk about building an altar. It's not about going to church. It's not about how you're living how you've lived your life or how many days you've been a follower of Jesus or anything like that. It's, it's, it's really the question I'm asking, how are you doing with Jesus today? Is the question. It's that, it's that deep. How's the conversation today? How's the altars in your life? Where's the space and place in your heart? Have you put people there that have let you down and then you've uh, come to the conclusion that when people let you down, you have no space or no place to run to because he's not in the right space of your heart. But when you put Jesus in first place, even when people let us down, you have a foundation, you have a security, you have a peace, and you have a stability in your life. And that's just a smart way to do life. Okay, let's uh, jump in. Let's open up the scriptures. If you want to go with me to Genesis 22, if you have a Bible, if you've got on your phone a tablet, paper's really cool these days. All the kids are using that again. Uh, I encourage you to open up the ancient scriptures, and I'm going to talk about Abraham building an altar, and you're going to love this talk today of surrender. Doors are locked, and uh, we're staying. I want to talk about surrender. Text is Genesis 22, and, and uh, I'd looked at it last week, 
Uh, actually, I did look at it last week, and I thought, when I read it, I thought, I'll stay away from that text. Do you ever do that with parts of the Bible? Does it just me? Does God ever challenge you with Scripture where you just read something and think, I, that's not that palatable? Our guys might not like that. And maybe we should try another route. Uh, that's, that's, uh, I wasn't that extreme, but I'm thinking, this is a shift. This is a shift for us. So uh, all day Tuesday, I was reading Scripture, all our books on surrender. I thought, there's got to be a better text. <laughs> I say, here's the thing. We'd never get to preach out of preference, right? You should never preach out of preference. Always be persuaded by his presence and what he has for us to talk about. And so again, this is not a preference, but this is a persuasion from his presence. And uh, so all day Tuesday, I'm trying to read all our texts. I'm getting absolutely nothing at all. And so I woke up 3 a.m., I think it was on Wednesday morning, and I had this phrase rolling around my head. And what I've learned to do this weller as I'm approaching 28 is that if you get a thought into your head, write it down there and then. Because I think 3 o'clock in the morning, God speaks to me, and I have these amazing thoughts. And then I wake up at um, 7 o'clock in the morning, and the thoughts have gone. So I think, was it the devil? Was it God? Was it the, No, it's just my age and stage in life. So I got the phone out, uh, much to Michelle's uh, dismay, and she gave off about me looking at the phone at 3 in the morning because I had to type in what the father was saying. And this is just a phrase that he says. Sorry for giving you all this background, but I just want to take us on a journey this morning, and I'm on that journey with, with you. This phrase was, the fruit of promise is produced by the seed of surrender. And um, yeah, you could tweet it. And so we, uh, so I went into the office on Wednesday morning, and I, I, I clicked on my Twitter. I clicked on, actually, I opened up Genesis 22, and then I thought, no, let's go on to Twitter, because Twitter's got something to say, right? <laughs> Way better than Genesis 22. And so I, uh, I clicked on Twitter just to get a bit of headspace, and up came this. No, no. Is there a picture or a tweet? Oh, there was, and I did it. Maybe it's gone. Anyway, that failed miserably. <laughs> I'll tell you the story, eh? Picture it. So on my Twitter account, it says, just in case you've missed it, if you're looking through your feed. Does this make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so, are you okay? Do you understand Twitter, Stephen? Because you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd recommend, I'll talk. Talk to me later. I'll talk about Instagram, Twitter, all those stuff. It's very relevant for your business, and uh, it'll help you a lot. So anyway, my Twitter feed says, in case you missed it, Genesis 22. Well, in my head, that was a wow moment, but, but you knew there was no getting away from So I phoned the guy up who tweeted it, a friend of mine called Phil Emerson. I said, where do you hear this? And he says, isn't it lovely? He's got a Lurgan accent and he talks like this. He says, isn't it lovely when the Lord confirms his word? And I said, yes, it is, Phil. <laughs> so lovely. Okay. <laughs> okay, all that to say, let's stand and let's listen to the sound of Scripture and let it abide in our hearts, let it rest in our souls, and let it give us comfort and direction and nourishment and all that we need today as we stand for the reading of God's word. Some time later, God tested, tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, I love that, I just love that, God calls us by name. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for the fire for the burnt offering and he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. I love this prophetic picture. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. That's a spoiler alert right there. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, how we have fire and, and the wood. The boy said, where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied. He says, here am I. He says, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. And you've not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by the horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people will still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and it's given to us in love. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may be seated. It doesn't come natural building an altar, like I said last week. And I want to say this, and it's just a given. It's certainly not natural to build a, an altar of sacrifice. How many of you find that? How many of you intentionally go out to build altars of surrender? See, it's never felt right. It's never felt like a one to surrender, does it? We've got this negative connotation. You hear the word, you think negative connotation, especially in our modern society, where the highest value is given to individualism. So surrender does never feel doesn't ever feel like a good thing. In fact, it evokes the unpleasant images of admitting defeat, right? I now have the privilege of having a six-foot-three son, and uh, sometimes we wrestle and, uh, on the carpet, on the mat. It was great when they were weird. I used to knock a life out of all three of them all at the one time, but things have slightly changed, and, and uh, we have a six-foot-two or a six-foot-three giant in the house, and, and we get into this tussle sometimes in this match, and he'll say to me, surrender, give up, and I'm like, no. I'm still your dad. I'm still fit. Look at this machine. <laughs> it's like I'm not giving up because well, the moment you give up, you've had it, right? You lose ground. If you lose ground in that situation, you've lost ground in every situation. What if he talks back to you? What if he doesn't do what he's told? What if he doesn't tidy his room? What if he tidies his room is the question I'm asking myself this day and age. But anyway, because losing ground, being defeated, it's over. It's never a good thing. It's a negative connotation. But I want to talk to you this morning about who you're surrendering to. See, God is a lover and he's a liberator. And surrender in the kingdom leads to freedom from bondage and promises and not punishment. Do you hear me? 
the surrender of the scriptures and the kingdom that we surrender to and the person that we surrender our hearts to, where we build the altar, it's not a place of punishment, but a place of promise. It's not a place of bondage, but it's always a place of freedom. Genesis 22, I want to say, is a wild story, right? That's what gives fuel to people like uh, Dawkins, I don't know if you've ever read any of his books, but he, he writes some uh, crazy stuff about God because he doesn't know the one he's talking about. And that's not arrogance, by the way. See, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of anyone with an argument. Unless you know the one that you're dealing with here, it just makes no sense. It's a wild story. It's, a, it's an unimaginable story. And then Dawkins gets fueled, and he calls us God a murderer and a, a child molester and everything else. And he uses lots of big words only because... He doesn't see the one that we're surrendering our hearts to. It's all about relationship and friendship. And so this story is wild, but you've got to see it in the context of who he is. And I want to say this morning, if you go with me, please go with faith. Please go with knowing who he is. And I loved what Diane said, and I thought she was going to wreck it all on me. Because my one point today, it's okay not to know, but it's okay who you know. It's okay not to know when you're with the one who you know. So thanks for the confirmation on that. It's a wild story. It's a call to surrender, to go. And it's right from the journey and, and right from the start of his journey, he, he, this guy, Abraham, he leaves roots, country, culture, community, and he's promised a great future. And the first thing that he does in his life, I think it's from Genesis 14, is he builds an altar. He builds an altar. And I want to say this to us as a church and to you as an individual this morning, if you can stay with me, and, and if you can remember some of these phrases, I think it'll be helpful to us as a community of faith and also help for your family and for your future and for your faith. You see, the future, the future of God is always around surrender. Those who shape the future are surrendered to the Father. Right? Abraham shaped the future for all of us. We find that out in the book of Romans, actually. He shapes the future for all of us. He becomes the father of all nations. He becomes a blessing to all people, even here in Dungannon, County Tyrone, here on the 5th of November, 2017. We're blessed because of Abraham. And I'm going to say it again. Let those who shape the future are surrendered to the Father. They're not seeking influence. They're walking in obedience. See, sometimes I like the influence, but not the obedience. And I want to say to us as a church, we've never gone after influence. We've always been careful with the stories we've told. And I think it's a God thing, and I think it's a grace thing, and I think it's the God's counsel to us as a church. We love to tell stories, but sometimes the Father is holding us back from stories because He wants us to walk in obedience, not just about influence. Do you hear me? Stories are easy to find. Truth is harder to find. Earth yourself in the foundation of Christ. Earth yourself in who He is. Earth yourself in obedience, and He'll look after influence. He'll make it happen. You'll become a blessing. We are a blessing to this community. We're a blessing to India. We're a blessing to France. We're a blessing to the Moy. We're a blessing to the Bush. We're a blessing to Cookstown and Armagh. We're a blessing. We've planted a church in Armagh. They're getting commissioned next week to be their own stage and their own place and their own futures being released upon Gary and Lynn next week as they take on the mantle of pastors in that place. You did that. You sacrificed. You see, the future is not about influence, but always about obedience. Do you get that? There are people who obtain the promises, and the people who obtain the promises, if you look at the life of Abraham, is people who live with vision and journey with family. They journey with family. 
I find a lot of people that go after influence never journey with people, they never journey with family. They move on from relationship to relationship, not honoring family. And I want us to be a community of faith where it's not about me, it's not about Stephen McCammon and doing the, the 31 businesses and then it's not about Sally Ann or it's not about whoever, it's not about Brian Cummins and his fancy little phrases when he comes up here and speaks. It's not about any of those things at all. It's always about him and it's about family. It's about us together working together and moving on together. Anyway, that's all by the by. That has nothing to do with the talk, but I think it's good stuff, all the same. The best way to perceive your future, if you're looking to see what your future looks like, is to look at your altar. You love that, don't you? I don't. Show me your altar, I'll show you your future. Show me your altar, I'll show you your future. Show me your altar, church, and I'll show you your culture. So it's important that we pray. This is not sales pitch. It's important that we establish a place where we can come and pray. And do you know how much confidence that gives me as a communicator and as a, as a, as a father of this house, if I could say that? It sounds a bit cheesy, but it's true. That's who I am. Do you know how much confidence that gives me when I know people are praying that we can push into faith and push into the promises and we can push into outward focus and I can ask for money and I can ask for the big ask and then we can call, call out the gold and people, when you're praying, I feel so confident and it sounds a bit selfish, but I do because it's a hub and our temperature shouldn't be measured on how hot the worship is, but how the prayer is in the house. That's where we get our spiritual temperatures, how hot is our prayer in this place. And I forgot what I was talking about. Culture. Yeah, show me your altar. I'll show you a culture. I want us to have a culture of prayer, a culture of surrender. You know, you ask people about Vineyard Church Dungan, and they'll say it's a welcoming place. I love that. But they'll also say it's a serving place. It's a place of generosity. Those are altars right there. Surrender, generosity. It's a place of mercy. There's a great altar to have. It's a place of forgiveness. The altar is ultimately a place of forgiveness. And so you can come here with your worst foot forward. You can come as you are. We won't let you stay as you are because God has got so much more for you. And there's an exchange waiting for you here this morning, like I just said. But anyway, I want to say that if you show me an altar, I'll show you your culture. Where is your altar? Where is your altar? So Abraham builds an altar to the Lord. Three times he does that before he comes to chapter 22. In fact, he didn't have a chapter 22. He didn't even have a Bible. We just get to read about him now. Isaac was given a promise, and the promise to be the father of nations. And 11 years after the promise, guess what? You love this? No children. Have you ever done this? So he decides to fulfill the promise. I've done this many times. Instead of waiting, he says, hey, God, let me help you with the promise that you gave me. Have you ever done that? It's daft, but we do it. I've done it loads of times. God's given me promises, and it looks like it's not happening. I'll say, hey, let me just, let me just push this along a little bit. Have you ever done that? Let me, just, let, me just, let me just manage, not manipulate, this relationship. Let me just manage just for you, God, because I know you're busy. Like, you, you've got a lot going on. There's Somalia and there's, there's lots happening all around the world. And so let me just manage some things for you here, God. I'll just give it a wee push. Just see how it goes. And usually push comes to shove and shove comes to disaster. And so this didn't work out too good either for him. 
He said, hey, God, let me help you with the promise, and he does that. Instead of trusting God to fulfill his dream of a son through their union, Sarah and Abraham, he took matters into his own hands. And this is what the scripture says, 16.2. Sarah said to Abraham, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. That was the promise. Please go to my maid. It's a crazy mixed up situation. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. And at the age of 99, you would think God's kind of sarcastic. He changes his name to the father of a multitude. Can you imagine the scene? It sounds like a joke, but it's not. Well, it is. Did you hear about the one about Abraham walking under the bar? You're all panicking, aren't you? Uh, anyway, it's a true story. Abraham walks into a bar, and the guy said, hey, what's your name? And he says, father of all nations. It's not a joke, by the way. I'm just, I've come at this the wrong way. But anyway. So he says, how many children have you got? Well, actually, none. Can you imagine it? The awkwardness of it. Huh? James, your man, father of all nations. Ask him how many children he's got. So it's a wild journey of faith. And so I'm going to teach us two things this morning. And then we'll do an exchange and then we'll go home. You up for that? Okay, here's, here's what happens as we, as we walk in this journey of wild faith with a wild God who's not safe, but he is very good. I want to say the first thing that I learned from this story, and I want you to journey with me, knowing who he is this morning, is it's a surrender to an interrupted life. Last week you were all doing amen stuff and clapping. And now you're thinking, no. Don't clap, kiss you get it. At 100 years old, Isaac is born. The promise, God called him to build an altar, and he calls him to this place of surrender. I want to say that there was never a more inconvenient time. This man has journeyed. He's, he's learned to build altars. He's learned to sacrifice. He's been in conflict with, with family. This family has split at times. He's walked, and he's talked with God, and he's been up against it at times. And then the promise comes, and God says, hey, let's build another altar. But this time, we're going to build an altar of sacrifice. We're going to build an altar of surrender. And so what happens at the place of surrender is that all of us, including Abraham, we need to learn to sur surrender to an interrupted life. The way I want to say it this morning is that we, we, we surrender to the wildness of God. The wildness of God. I think it's a bit under, probably under, an understatement to say Abraham's life was interrupted at the altar. At this altar. He's got the son, like I said, of promise. And he's, he's been through a lot with God. And, and here's the part that gets me. I don't know if you've ever read the scriptures. If you've ever read the story at all. Would you stay with me, please? Um, Abraham isn't shocked. He's not shocked. He's, he's used to interruptions. Uh, to me, it's just like, this is just a head melter. It's just shock written all over. It's just interruption. It's just upheaval. It's, it's every emotional, unimaginable interruption that you can imagine in somebody's life. And yet Abraham doesn't seem to be shocked. Why? Because he's built altars before. He's built altars before. He knows God. He's learned to surrender to, to famine in a town. Remember, he got the promise. God says to him, leave your town. First thing he does when he leaves his community is he builds an altar, an altar of promise, an altar of praise. And he leaves that altar and he walks into a famine city called Egypt. Somebody trying to encourage me out there. 
He's built an altar before. God calls him from his community, ends up in a famine town. Being a Christian doesn't give you room to oppose your will and God's. This is what I'm learning. There's some bad theology out there, you know, where we're just like, we just, we get into this relationship with this mysterious, cool God. And, and by the way, he is mysterious and he is very cool. But we don't get to, to push our will in him. You see, every day I pray the Lord's Prayer, 12 o'clock, and there comes this part in the, in the prayer where it says, not my will, but your will. Now, I pray that every day, but I want to be straight and honest with you. There's a kingdom that I really love, and it's called the kingdom of Jason. It's a great place. I surrender to it all the time. In this kingdom, the highest goal and the highest priority is my comfort. My will be done. Jason's will. It's a great place to hang out, by the way, if you want to join the cult of Jason. Uh, everybody's really nervous now. That was a big joke for those listening online and anybody wishing to cut the tape at any part or whatever you do in software. That was a big joke. <laughs> Being a Christian doesn't give you the room to oppose your will on God's. And here's the lesson I'm learning. God is not a means to a better life. Wow. I thought he was. Yeah, he's more than that. He is a better life. If you think he's a means to a better life and you can control him and you can manipulate him, then that's not going to work. You see, he's not, an, he's not about being an add-on to, for someone to cover up their stuff in pursuit of greatness. I've watched that. Oh, heck, I've done it. you're looking for a God you can control, if that's what you require, I say really seriously and mercifully and graciously forget Christianity. It doesn't work. See, what, what, what I find sometimes if I try and manipulate God and I try to get my way, you know what I do? I use God to cover up all the stuff, all the jealousy, all the resentment, all the anger, all the unforgiveness, just so I can get where I want to get. But if I'm going to work with him and his will, he actually asked me to surrender some of those things. And it's a dangerous place if you want to try and manipulate the God of heaven. And Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom, surrender to its reality. It's just, it's, it's, that's the story. It's his supremacy. When you position and posture your heart to enter the kingdom, that's a better way to go. Not the kingdom of Jason. Not the kingdom of Brian, the kingdom of Michelle, the kingdom of Micah. Not the kingdom of Rodney. Seek first God's kingdom. God's kingdom. That's our task. And here's what I'm learning. See, I always thought my task was to advance the kingdom of heaven. How many of you believe that's your task? Now you're panicking. Well, here's what I've discovered, and I might be wrong, but it's not my task to advance the kingdom. My task is to surrender to it. Thank you, Ricky. You're a smart kid. It's not, my, it's not our job as a church to advance the kingdom. You see, the kingdom is God's rule and reign here on earth, right? It's his atmosphere. It's his reality. It's his reign. It's a, it, it, it is what it is. Our job, first and solely, is to surrender to it. To surrender to the kingdom. Now, all the other stuff happens when we surrender the kingdom. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. The poor receive good news, right? Demons are cast out, the dead are raised. That's how you preach it, by the way. That's what you do with it. 
Our task is never to advance the kingdom. It does that all by itself, and it does it so well. Right? Thanks, David. Our task is to enter the kingdom. There's anointing in this side of the room. I don't know what it is, but there just seems to be something happening here. So you want to get up and switch seats? That would be... The joyous surrender to Israel in our lives. Have you ever experienced the joyous surrender to the wildness of God? My point is this, and it's deep. God's God. (laughs) I don't like that sometimes. And sometimes I kick and I stomp and I become like a brat. But God's God and, and he's free and he's gracious and he's faithful and he's kind. And so the life of faith and the relationship with God is the life that builds altars of surrender. And we're open to interruptions. Abraham has been building altars all his life. He's been building history with God, connection with God. Now when God asks him to do the big, he, he can do it. Because there's a history built there. There's a, there's a knowing in the not knowing. There's a now I know what I don't know because of who I know. C.S. Lewis said this, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that What one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. (laughs) Sorry, I just find this hilarious. But me and God have been having a chat about this all week, and I've come out surrendering. The life God is sending one day by day, what one calls one's real life is a phantom of one's own imagination. He's a smart kid, isn't he? Should need to be if you're from Northern Ireland. Anyway, there's an aspect of interruption in the faith in our life, in the building of the altar. And you'll love the next surrender, and this is my last point. The surrender of not knowing. And Isaac, he turns to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, with fire, we've got wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? You want to realize the atmosphere when he's asking this question. You see, I want to tell you the atmosphere is silence, and therefore silence must come from the agony within the soul of Abraham the father. Right? Along the way, he speaks not a word for three days. I would say there's an agony in his soul to not knowing, to this surrender. And in fact, the first words that he speaks to his servants is stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and I, I think this is prophetic again. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, and then we will come back to you. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, verse 8. My son Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. That's it. Question, wood, fire. That's what you're giving me for an answer, Father? That's really all you know? Yeah, God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. It actually means God will see to it. Anybody need God to see to some things for you today in your house, in your home, your finances, in your health? Anybody? In your relationships? In your anxiety, in your worries, in your disappointment? Any disappointment out there? God will see to it. Anybody need that in this side of the room? Anybody need God to see to some things this morning? God will see to it. He'll see to it. 
He'll see to it. God will see to it. God will provide. I think this is prophecy from Abraham. I think this is prayer. God will work it out. This is a great prayer, by the way. God will work it out. God will see to it. When I don't know, God will work it out. I don't know about you, but I want to know answers to some of the questions that I have in my life. Where's the lamb? What's your question? Why, God? Why did this happen? Where's my career move? God will see to it. Why am I not married yet? Father, I'm 18. People are asking questions. <laughs> That's Christendom, by the way. God will see to it. So here's how I would probably answer that question. I'm fasting, son. I'm memorizing verses. Please don't see this as being a religious, but I just want, I'll get there in the end. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm, 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 I'm calling out every text in Scripture in faith that God will get us out of this situation. And here's the thing, and this is really, really, this might seem a little heavy. Could it be sometimes our prayers are really a desire to not surrender? Are we having one-way conversations with God yet missing the opportunity to be a blessing? Have you ever prayed prayers? But the heart of the prayer is, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Right? I just, you know, God says, but God, me and you, we'll have a wee conversation. Just talk among yourselves. Surely, like, you know, says this in scriptures and says that. But really the heart is that I don't want to do it. I don't want to lay it down. I don't want to give up my Isaac. I don't want to give up my reputation. What's your Isaac this morning? For some of you, many of you here this morning, it's your reputation. It's your reputation of knowing that you belong to Jesus. And here's the thing where God has bullied me over time and time again this last few months is that we think in our heads that there is some embarrassment with being uh, 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 attached to Jesus Christ. When actually you think the most vulnerable person in the relationship is Jesus Christ being attached to us. Just saying. But he loves to. He loves to. So maybe that's an Isaac for, for some of you this morning. God will provide. He'll see to it. And I want the answers and I want to get out of the situation. But when we don't surrender, we don't see blessing. Without sacrifice, there's no success. Those who bring the future of influence are the people who surrender on the altar. The problem is, like I said last week, with living sacrifices is that we used to crawl off them. And I want to tell you about this story. This story is a mess. It's a mess. You can't say that. I just have. Have you read the book? Have you read this book? It just seems like a mess. And here's what Abraham knows. God is good. He knows that. God is faithful. He knows that. God is a provider. God sees to it. See, it's okay not to know as long as you have a history with God. When you, when you know how to build altars, you'll give him access to proximity. And you'll get his heart. You'll get his kindness. He says this, my thoughts are not your thoughts. He also goes on to say, my ways are far beyond what you could even imagine or think. 
You know, as far as this earth is from this heaven, and we can't measure the scale on that, he's saying that's how far sometimes our thinking is. That's how far our actions is. This is just how, how upside down the kingdom is. I do things totally different from you, right? That's how he does it. And he, he says, but you need to know that I'm good, that I'm kind, and I provide. But my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And Abraham, he surrenders to the unknown, knowing God is his friend. Knowing God is faithful, knowing God is good, knowing that he provides. And he is beyond our understanding, but he sees to it. He sees to it. He's beyond our capability sometimes to understand. Was it Augustine says, if, you understand, if you've understood God, you haven't met him. He probably said it a lot more fancier than that. And he probably said it in Latin. <laughs> but God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. What Abraham is saying here in faith, and I want you to get this, knowing God, know that he knows God, knowing that he knows God's kind, is he's saying this here. He's saying, God will figure it out. Surrender to the unknown, because God will figure it out. Abraham's a father who knows a father, right? He's a father who knows a father, therefore he... He knows that God's going to figure this thing out, that God's going to provide, that God's going to do, that God will see to it. Um, have you ever heard of a, a lady called Julian of Norwich? She lived around 1300 in England, and um, I mean, it wasn't a great lifestyle she had. She lived in a cell, prison cell right next to a church, and her job was to get revelation from God. And She actually was quite an influential person. She would get a revelation from God, and, and then she would, she would give these these the stuff that she had to actually to the government and to people that were in power and people that were in position. Quite a cool job, but didn't fancy her lifestyle, to be honest with you, so I just passed on that job if it ever comes up. But this is what she said. When she talks about surrender to not knowing God because God sees and knows and cares. And this is what she said, and this is, you, you might miss this, but it's, it's so good and it's so deep. And it says this, and all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all matter of things shall be well. Anybody need to hear that this morning? Seriously, why don't you just bow your head, close your eyes, still your heart. Just pause for a moment. I want to hear, I, I, if I can do this, I want to just say these words as if God was saying them over this house, over this people, over your situation. All shall be well. And all shall be well, and all matter of things shall be well. All shall be well. All shall be well, and all matter of things shall be well in your mind, in your heart, in your finances, in your sickness, in your family, in your doubt, in your anxiety, in your trouble today, in your unknown. I want to say to you, all shall be well, and all things shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And the fruit of promise is produced by the seed of surrender. You can open your eyes, lift your head as it just finished. You can stand to your feet, actually. The story ends well, by the way. Abraham does, as he said in the scripture, there was a lamb caught in the thicket and the lamb sacrificed and they go back. They worship in that place and they go back to 
building altars. And he became great. He became great. Romans 4.13, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Well, let me read you one more text of Scripture when I've got you on your feet. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 from the message. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Show me your altar. I'll show you your future. Show me your altar. I'll show you your future. Do we have the band up? Can we just posture our hearts? Does just before we get distracted or anything else? Just as we close up, we are done. If you need to go, please feel free to leave. And if you've got other engagements, people to meet, time, if you're time bound this morning by uh, anything. Please, uh, please feel free to go. If you're staying, I'm going to just ask you to just pause and just surrender in a silence, just for a moment, just to still our hearts. And I think God just wants to, just to let some people know today that he'll see to it. But there's an exchange today in the surrender. There's an exchange today in the sacrifice. And some of the surrender is easy, Right? Because I don't know about you, but some of the things that I need to surrender are not great things anyway that you want to keep in a box. And so the exchange just seems like God's been done. Do you ever feel like that? You just ripped God off. You give him crap and he gives you good. Have you ever felt like you ripped God off? But that's not how he sees it, you see, because he's a good father and that's just how good dads look at things. Of course he wants to take the stuff and give you better. But the promise of the future is always found on the altar of sacrifice and surrender. So let's just still our hearts in the silence. Maybe you need to identify your Isaac today. What's your Isaac? Influence? He'll do it anyway. Don't go after influence, people. Stay in obedience. Come, Holy Spirit. Wonderful, Holy Spirit, come. We invite your presence, your kindness, your grace. Come and release all that's in this room right now, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We wait for you. Come in your wildness. Come in your loveliness. Come in your fullness. But come. Come. Even so, come. It's an outrageous story that needs an outrageous response. If you need to exchange something today, just as we worship, 
I'm going to do something very unfinyard. We're not going to have a prayer team come up. I just want you to come. Take up space, kneel down, kneel at your seat. But let him see to it today. Let him see to it. Some of you need to exchange some things. Some exchange. It's a perfect exchange. It's an outrageous exchange. It's an extravagant exchange. He gives so much more than we give back. He asks for all. But what does he give? <laughs> An exchange. So as the band worships, if you need prayer, then I'd ask you just to ask somebody beside you. I really need somebody to pray for me. That's totally legal. But just for space sake this morning, just, just, I just want no barriers, no gimmicks. Nothing at all but him and you at the altar of surrender.